Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. How's it going, ladies? Oh, whirlwind, whirlwind day. So yeah. happy to be sitting. So happy to be here, and so happy to be talking to you. We're such fans of you and your oh, work. Thank and you. Oh my goodness, I'm so honored uh, that you guys, yeah, that you guys know who I am. I was like, what? Kind of Kelty? Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> so girling over here. <laughs> yeah, you guys have an amazing podcast and just such good content. Uh, so I'm really happy that, you know, we've connected because I think a lot of our values are very, very similar. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you guys have a course that is open for enrollment right now, right? Yes. Our right from the start baby course that we co-created with Jen Lumenlin of Your Parenting Mojo, the podcasting community. And um, we we came together and created the course for people who are in their first year ish with a baby, whether it's your first baby, your fifth baby, whether you're wanting to kind of jumpstart with a good foundation and understanding the first time or trying to kind of juggle um, multiple kids and maybe do it a little differently with this new baby. Um, we kind of thought what, what kind of course and community would we have wanted yeah. as new parents and second time parents. And so that's how we created the course. So we love talking about it. Um, we're really excited. It's open until Wednesday, this next Wednesday. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys have how many between the two of you? Four. Yeah. You, four, we, so each of you has two. Yeah, we had four kids in two years. So oh it, was a, it was a lot wow. of babies. Yeah, and that's why I think we love talking about siblings so much because the overlap was like the girls are six months apart. Then two years later, the boys were six months apart. So 
it was like we had siblings right away and then we had siblings again there were multiples of siblings delayed siblings (laughs) on the sibling dynamic and correct me if i'm wrong you guys live next to each other near each other yeah we both live on on the same organic vegetable and meat farm so kind of on separate corners of it with our families that's amazing so your your kids are kind of like cousins but kind of siblings then yeah Yeah. dynamic exactly right that's amazing. I mean, that is so cool. I wish, like, I'm kind of jealous. I kind of want a twin sister to help me raise my kid. <laughs> That's very convenient cool. to have Kelty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super privileged for sure. Yeah, for that's sure. Amazing. But that, I mean, and that's why like these, these virtual communities are so important that you've created and that we're working on too is saying not all of us can have a sibling or best friend across the property to support us with our, our exactly. child rearing. And so how can we be creating that, that tribe, you know, that, that community on our own? Yeah, totally. And especially with uh, COVID, it's been really hard. And I'm constantly hearing from parents who are just really isolated. It's, it's, I mean, the, the first year is hard as it is, right? Um, Let alone everything else going on in the world. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I put it out for people to ask questions. I didn't get many questions in, but I have questions. So that's, that works anyways. Um, And then, you know, you guys let me know what you think um, would be best to discuss. But um, yeah, so I guess if there had to be like a number one thing, like a number one tip that you could give someone when they're getting ready for their second baby, is there something Mm -hmm. that's like, the million dollar question, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, we can we can talk about tips. We've got so many different steps that we kind of recommend for folks bringing a new baby into their, into their family, whether it is, like Hannah said, the first or fifth. But I think that first step, that number one, the most important real like bullet is accepting that it's going to be a challenge and really leaning into that being okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I think it's that. just something that no one really talks about this really finite period of time that small transition of the new overlap for the older kid or kids with the new baby for you a partner if you have one and it's a really tricky time I think a lot of people think okay with the first baby you know there's a meal train set up there's more support grandparents are there if they can be all those things and we really created the course and we're thinking so much about gosh those people who are having their second baby those are the ones that everyone thinks oh it's not their first rodeo oh they're Mm -hmm. fine I'm sure they're okay. They know how this goes. They got it. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, um, you know, something that we're trying to kind of bring more to to the public consciousness is hard and it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to have kids who are struggling with it and it's okay to be struggling yourself as a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can only imagine. And I mean, so I have one child, obviously I have a toddler. He's, he's turning to like this week. And, um, and so people ask me all the time, these questions, and obviously, I I can, you know, answer them from a conceptual standpoint, but not I haven't experienced it myself. But there's definitely a lot of that, those fears that come up of, you know, how is it going to go? And, and yeah, I mean, for me, that was one decision we made not to have our kids super close together, because I struggled through like, the, the end of my pregnancy was really it wasn't like crazy bad but you know I was really tired and having a hard time and so I thought I don't want to do this with a toddler um but those are things we sometimes don't talk about enough right like how hard it is to be pregnant with a child (laughs) that you're taking care of and how hard it is to be a newborn parent with a toddler like all of those things right 
Yeah, I think so often we just think it's going to be more love, more connection, more cuddles, more family, all these wonderful mores. And that is absolutely true. Yeah. It's a miracle bringing a new baby into the family. But it's also more stress, more crying, more anxiety, more needs to be met, yeah. more juggling, you know, more yeah. diapers, more everything. Right? Well, and, and like you said, Paul, too, I mean, when you think about it, adding a new kid, imagine bringing another baby in, into your house and, and then thinking, wait, I'm going to be spending less time with my older child. And I think for me, that was really hard for me to let go of my daughter in some ways and yeah. give more power and control to my partner who was spending more time and to not feel guilty. Oh my gosh, yeah. like I'm ruining her life by having another baby right now, you know? Yeah. And then oftentimes too, we, we coach a lot of folks here who end up kind of projecting that stress onto the older child. So whether it's a two-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old, so they don't go to that shame place quite as easily. Maybe they go a little bit to the blame place of like, you're ruining this new family and this experienced mm -hmm. child because you're acting really wild and you're driving me crazy and you're all of a sudden right. not and you should know better because you're six or seven years old, but really you just got promoted. You're the oldest yeah. now. So you should know it's really, really mm -hmm. tricky. And I think that the, the better prepared we can be mentally routine, environmentally, as far as information and connection with our kids, I think that's what sees us through. There's no perfect way to go about bringing a new kid, a baby into the family. I think the, the name of the game is creating security through it, security um, for ourselves, security in our relationship with our older children. Um, and that's what, what sees us through. Yeah, totally. So the number one question I get, and I, I feel this myself, as someone like you have a child right and you have this creature you love more than anything in the world and it's so hard to imagine like how am i going to love someone else the same right I, that was the number one question i get from parents who are either expecting or thinking about another one it's like how am i going to love them the same like how is this going to happen so i don't know if you have an answer for that mm. <laughs> you know realistically i know you will love them right but yeah. it's just so hard to comprehend in my brain yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way. I asked that question to a mom friend of mine who is a happens to be a rabbi and has five kids. Before I had my second baby, I was the exact same feeling. She said, well, I think of it more like I'm holding a bunch of balloons. They're all in my hand and they're all my kids, but they're all different. So I love them all the same, but I love them all in different ways. They're all their own mm -hmm. colors and size and types but they're they're like my little fisted balloons i love that all that stuck with me and just remembering that our capacity to love our capacity to grow and our capacity to meet other people's needs i think people wonder am i going to love the second as much mm -hmm. and i think they also sometimes wonder how am i going to see to a second need if i'm already struggling yeah. right now with my two-year-old or my four-year-old but it's possible anything is possible that's what we like to encourage parents to say we yeah. can do this it's going to be okay to normalize yeah. that struggle and that challenge and I think something that has come up with a lot of folks is, is feeling and realizing as you bring this baby into, into your life that you're actually in sometimes, some ways fall out of love with your older child. There are moments where you're mm -hmm. like, who are you? All of a sudden now, maybe you're coming into your independence and coinciding with a baby coming home. So now you're saying no to everything. You know, you're, yeah. you're oftentimes kids um, really struggle with um, with the stress of it and it comes out in regressions and other things. And a lot of parents struggle with that shame, um, not of saying, oh, I, I miss my child, but saying they're 
I'm struggling to even like see them the way I used to. They're not my little baby anymore. Yeah. 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 I could totally see how that, how that Mm -hmm. plays out. And and you see that in dynamics with adults, right? Like when you see, you know, I'm a middle child, so I see the dynamics on both sides and all of that. So it's interesting, but yeah, yeah, no, that is, that is tricky. Do you find, I guess, because this is another question that's come up recently is, is figuring out, the age gap, right? And obviously, we can't always plan. And and I say this to people, and I, I truly believe that any way your family turns out to be is going to be beautiful, because it's just going to be what you make of it. But mm-hmm. is there, you know, I know you guys are like a research based, like evidence based, um, your, your course is evidence based. And so is there anything to do? Is there any research to say, like, this is the ideal space between children or whatnot that's such a great question jen unpacks that so jen who are, is our co-creator of the right from the start baby course mm-hmm. she does all of the research modules in every module so sleep feeding diapering dressing bathing play and movement and then siblings and she talks about that is there a birth order thing is there a spacing thing and i think what she mm-hmm. basically discovered through trying to find any research was that it's not about the age gap that's, that's ideal or less ideal or tricky or trying to nail down. It's really seeing the children you have in your family and realizing what their capacity is regardless right. of the age that they are. What is their skill set? Where are they coming from? What are their needs? And then also reflecting on your capacity in those times where maybe you could yeah. have a baby every two years, five years ago, but now based on the job you have, you can't do that. You literally can't space your babies yeah. that way. And so I think so yeah. much about it is accepting that it's going to be tricky no matter what. There are a lot of different needs at play and finding a way mm-hmm. to kind of just give yourself that grace and, and find that confidence mm-hmm. to just move forward um, mm-hmm. with whatever That's ages easy. are there. Yeah. yeah. And considering yeah. temperament was something that, that Jen brought up in that module of the course a lot too. If you have yeah. a child who struggles with transitions, um, you know, getting out the door, starting a new school, all of a sudden going to grandma's house more, um, taking their plate to the table, anything like that. If they struggle with those transitions, they're going to struggle more with a sibling than other kids. Yeah. Will, you know, yeah. Do you have a sensitive or spirited yeah. kid? Picture a sensitive or spirited kid with a huge transition of bringing a baby home. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. Not to say you, you guys can't get through it together. Um, and something Kelsey and I like to talk about a lot and that we mentioned in the course is that going through these challenges uh, alone with a partner with our older kids when we bring that baby home is an incredible opportunity it's an investment to say how can I do yeah. this in a way where we're not just who got through that one okay let's wait till the yeah. next huge transition when one of us loses a job we move there's a medical situation but saying I know this baby's coming I have nine months or even a few weeks or months with an adoption maybe I've got a little bit of time to prepare myself what do I want to do so that I can maybe take a transition that can feel huge and um, almost kind of traumatic for our older kids and ourselves and spread that out as long and far as we can ahead of time. So Kelty and I talk okay. about three ways to do that. And this is these are three ways that can help with the transition of a new baby and can also help with any transition, right? Okay. And it's tell, show, and love. Those are the three ways. So do you want to talk about tell? Did you have any questions or thoughts, Paula, before we jump? No, I I love this. I love that you're talking about that and and sort of, I guess, buffering that transition, but like the emotional component. And I think one thing I see a lot um, in my practice is with parents is 
we want to kind of get everything perfect. And, mm. and I, it doesn't sound like that's what you're talking about, which I like. Um, so for example, people will say to me, I need my child sleeping through the night and independently before the baby comes. I need my child potty trained before the baby comes. And I'm always kind of saying like, listen, let's prepare for the fact that they probably will have a regression. Let's mm-hmm. prepare for the fact that they probably will want to sleep with you more because they miss you. Right. So like, let's try not to get it perfect and, and actually just embrace it because otherwise you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. Um, I love does that. that make sense to you guys? <laughs> yeah. And I think that what you're identifying, Paula is saying, it's really easy for us to want to control this new transition to make it yeah. fit perfectly. We're all like right. high achieving. A lot of us type a like, you know, mm-hmm. but when we're dealing with another human being, not like an office logistic, right? Or something like this is another human, right? We have to remember that our power isn't in controlling another person because that doesn't usually go so well. Our power is in seeing what we can do behind the scenes, preparing ourselves. And again, going back to that security and that connection. Connection will see us through. Not whether they're potty trained or not before, not whether they're, you know, out of their crib or whatever, it's about can we work on connection because connection helps everyone feel more safe. And when you feel better, you do better. Mm-hmm. But right? I, I like, I like the, the impulse to say, Ooh, it's, it might be tricky to have an, a second kid or a third kid who's not potty trained or that or mm-hmm. sleeping struggles. The impulse to be looking ahead and thinking, what can I be doing is a great impulse. So within that, we like to just talk mm-hmm. about um, telling, showing and loving, right? So yeah. telling our kids just the pertinent information. I think it's so often for us to, we're like, oh, talking about it hasn't gone that well, or talking about it makes me nervous, or talking about it um, kind of makes my kids ask a lot of these questions that I don't have answers to, or, you know, bringing bringing any change into our environment might just kind of rock the boat too much, and I just want to keep everything stable, Mm -hmm. but I think bringing up the topics in kind of an age-appropriate way with our kids when we can, as early as possible, is what we want to be doing to kind of normalize Mm -hmm. what's going to happen, and not feeling too much and giving way too much information, but just kind of following our kids lead in that way. Yeah, I think very often the information we think we're giving our kids when, about bringing a, you know, having a new sibling, right, is usually like emotional coaching information, like uh-huh. it's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's going to be so wonderful. Okay, so now yeah. you've got all the information that you need. Yeah. And kids don't need to be told how to feel. They just need to be given right. like actual relevant, pertinent information to them. So like, where will they be sleeping when baby comes? What month is baby coming? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. anticipated. Who will be picking them up from daycare? Where's the mm-hmm. hospital? Right. And yeah. I think that that stuff is very securing that type of information. And, and I think okay. letting our child lead and having it be in moments where they're feeling receptive, where they're maybe throwing out a little bit of curiosity and we're like, oh, this is the moment where we can talk about this, where we're not right. sitting them down for a conversation when they're wanting to do their Legos. Right. You right. Know? And, uh, and you're going to like it. That's the other information that we, that we tend to do warnings. Too, is warnings and yeah. say, you know, when baby comes, we can't cuddle like this all the time. You won't have my lap like this all the time, right? This is preparing them, right? Or when baby comes, you know you can't climb on the couch or you know you're going to have to be quiet when I say and be a good listener, right? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a good recipe for a little bit of resentment. Absolutely. Yeah, and resistance, you know, for those sensitive kids maybe feeling the anxiety and the stress of like, oh, God, more pressure, right, that I'm not ready for. And for our spirited kids being like, and I'm just going to do the opposite of all of those things now. Thanks for giving me that. <laughs> it also comes from a good impulse. We're thinking, what's it going to be like? What am I going to need from this child? And we can bring mm-hmm. up more casual, more neutral ways to say it. Like, 
I wonder when baby is here, will we need to be a little quieter during nap, their nap time or will they just sleep right through? Huh? Or what will we, you do while they're sleeping? Mm -hmm. So we can mm -hmm. muse about those things. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm holding the baby and, and feeding them, where will you be sitting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can just kind of walk through what that might look like. And, and right. listen, as much as we're talking, I think we want to get that information in the, the older kids about the baby. But let's listen to what is coming up for them so we can understand where their mind is, what they're understanding, where yeah. their curiosity or needs are. And I think with older kids, too, visually is a really great one. So once we've told and given information, then we want to show, you know, kids learn so much through experience and through sight. Okay. So taking a lot of that information that we did in the tell step and maybe putting it in a book that they can create with us. So when they have these questions, we can be like, let's go to the book. You know, it does not have to be like beautifully scrapbook. So slow your roll. Like this can just, our kid can be drawing. It can be a page about what the, what the baby poop's going to look like. It can be baby name ideas. It can be whatever would help them feel secure. And then with new pages and older kids can write questions or notes or things. Draw a map to the hospital or to grandma's. Right. And then, and then the environment too is going to change. So I think oftentimes people are like, keep everything the same. And then boom, baby comes. There are boppies everywhere. There are changing stations <laughs> everywhere. There are diapers everywhere. We're moving rooms and all this stuff is happening. And that is so much extra for a child to experience. Right. So can we prepare the environment ahead of time so that they can know who's going to sleep well and acclimate before there's a baby there? You know, can they experiment with the stroller and maybe tip it over? before there's a baby in it. Mm -hmm. Can they explore with the diapers, pulling out all the things or putting toys <laughs> in the diaper bin, the pail, before there's poop in it? You know, can we, <laughs> yeah. can we basically troubleshoot? And the way our kids engage in the environment uh, that we're creating to support this new baby is also giving us helpful information to know how to troubleshoot and realize, right. oh my gosh, I'm gonna need to have this baby up high, right? Maybe we get a, um, we got uh, like a, uh, anatomically correct babies for our girls to have and it really helped us picture what if I'm holding the baby right now during bath time or where's the, where am I going to put the baby when my kid's having a meltdown it helped right. us kind of picture it and it helped the the older kids see us holding a baby and start to yeah. kind of put things in context a little and mm -hmm. and then once the baby came home we passed those dolls off to the girls and then they could do whatever they wanted with their babies right yeah I lot. love that. That is such a smart idea to do it very, like, it's just very concrete for them, right? And I, mm -hmm. I, and I don't know if you guys do this as well. I mean, I always say to people, especially for preschoolers and up, is dramatic play is, like, the best way for them to learn. Mm -hmm. So, like, practice with the fake baby, right? Right. Like, yeah. Or, and, and same in that information stage. We kind of forgot to mention that, too. And sometimes information about the baby is too stressful for kids to hear directly. They're like, la, 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 or they run the other way. Or maybe they're like, I hate the baby. Don't talk about the baby, right? And that's when mm -hmm. we were like, okay, we need to find a more subtle, indirect way to convey information. We can right. write it down and put it on the fridge. We can story tell we can about when they were a little baby and kind of what things looked right. like and felt like. Right. Um, we, can, we can do symbolic play with Legos or a couple, you know, little dolls or whatever it is. Right. And then the routine, you'd mentioned that at the beginning, Paula. So another way to show is not just the environment, right? But also to say, what things can we start a little earlier? If I know, I knew I was going to have a C-section and I wish I'd thought about, wait, I'm probably not going to get up in the morning with my daughter anymore. I wish I had segued her into, now she's having breakfast with Papa. 
right? And he could right. do to breakfast with us for a while and then eventually take it over a little bit or at the very least bring right. her in on that idea that, you know, it's going to change or grandma's always yeah. going to pick them up from daycare now. And that could be, once the baby comes, that could be a really big shock. Well, wait, mama's not there anymore. Right. right? Can, yeah. we, can we start those things a little bit sooner? Yeah, And if we yeah. can't begin them, you know, a little bit earlier, some of them can't change until, you know, mama or papa is on maternity or paternity leave. That's okay. Yeah. We can still talk about them. We can still be yeah. planting those seeds and asking those questions in the same way that we were talking about. Hey, you know, well, we, where will you be when the baby's napping? Or it'll be really nice once mama or papa is going to be cooking your breakfast. What do you think they'll make you when mm -hmm. they they cook breakfast for you? So that's yeah. planting a seed, this mm -hmm. is going to be different, even if we can't actually be showing that visually. Yeah, no, that's a, that's so good. Like, uh, I think this is, I hope anybody who's watching, I think this is so helpful. I'm glad I'm hearing this information before I even think about our next baby yeah. because it'll make things easier, but it's so true. Um, and so what, what was my next question? I, I love all of this preparation. How about though, is there anything more special you would do with like a younger child? So when we're having, you know, a lot of times people have an 18 month old and they'll get pregnant with their second or, you know, like they're expecting them two years apart. Um, and so you're dealing with a, a nonverbal toddler a lot of the time. Um, is there anything you can do differently? Uh, how would that change? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think this goes regardless of, of any age child, but especially those younger preverbal, like you mentioned, I would say helping them get a little bit comfortable if and when possible with independent play mm -hmm. in an area or gated area where they're safe, right? I think oftentimes it's like we this baby or older baby has been on us all the time. We've got no boundaries. We've, we are <laughs> never apart from them, right? Got our yeah. full attention all the time. And they're on our body all the time. And then so the transition for them is really tricky because all of a sudden they don't have access to our lap the same way now that we have mm -hmm. a younger baby. They don't have access to our attention as we're, as we're sitting watching them play like we used to. Mm -hmm. and so I think a, a part of a transition that can help is saying, where can I support and step back a little bit from my older baby's play? You know, reduce that praise, show that attention, fill their cup throughout the day, but help them get a little bit comfortable in whatever way works best for them and their temperament and physical needs on their own a little bit you know, and setting those boundaries of, I, you know what, I don't need, I can't have you on my lap right now. I'm just, you want me you to know. pick you up, but I can't right now. Right. And, and a lot yeah. of folks begin that just because they're pregnant and they don't feel right. good. And then, <laughs> so that's a great time to start where you're not, you know, don't just think, Oh, I have to suck it up and give this baby. I have as much attention as I can now, because soon it's going to be less start those boundaries setting lovingly earlier. It, it's right. going to be okay so that they can acclimate a little. That's amazing. So I think the other, and, and that's really helpful. And did I, wait, did we miss a step? It was, t it was sh yeah. uh, tell Dude, show. The tell show more, right? love. And the, okay. the love one is really just, it, it's the biggest step for both before the transition, in the thick of it, when the baby is in, is in your family um, and new and fresh and it's all happening. And as they're acclimating, which could take years for an older sibling to acclimate to a new baby sibling. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of stages as the baby's kind of progressing towards crawling and coming, mm -hmm. becoming louder and then starting mm -hmm. to grab toys. And there's so many different stages of an older sibling, like kind of waking up to the fact that this is happening and being like, okay, no, this is different. Now I have a new baby sibling, this new mm -hmm. version of it. Right. Right. And I think that this love step, you know, calls us into, like we mentioned before, call out the baby elephant in the room, so to speak, and say, 
this is hard. I'm, I am acknowledging and validating to my older children, whether they can understand me or not, that this is hard and we're going to get through it together. And more yeah. than telling them that, we have to show them that love. And that's usually mm -hmm. in how we respond to their big feelings and challenging behaviors. Because we're going to have some, you know, toddlers and kids that very directly express their stress about the baby. I hate the baby. Put the baby right. in the trash can. I, I am, I'm really upset about this, I'm right? The baby. Bad, I'm, hit, I'm hitting the baby, scratching the baby, you know, um, uh, messing up nap times by screaming, things like that. But a lot of kids also, they maybe don't have that awareness yet where they're able to key into what that stressor is. And it comes out in more indirect ways. It's just, it's their stress language. Just like kids and babies, they have stress or love languages, how it makes them feel mm -hmm. safe and secure. When they're insecure, they also have a language that they uniquely communicate. So right. that could mean our kid, and, and you probably know, everybody think about what's my older child's stress language? Is it getting really clingy and kind of anxious and needy all the time? Yeah. Is it get raging and melting down a lot more? Yeah. Is it kind of controlling behaviors of no, don't sit there, sit there, <laughs> or not that sweet, yeah, that's kind of wrong, that right. my sandwich is cut no. wrong. Right, so right. imagine yeah. that those, be, those stress, that stress language is going to be just heightened. And we have to remember and give them the benefit of the doubt and realize what a trauma, essentially, and big transition this is for them. And that all they need is our love and our limits. So the loving limits, I, you know, I can't let you hit the baby. I'm going to stop your hand. I get it. I get it. I hear you. you you're struggling. You're yeah. upset, you know, or you're on the table and you're throwing a huge tantrum about whatever, resisting transitions. Oh, that's another one, a big stress language, right? Not wanting to go to school, not yeah. wanting to put pants on, not wanting to brush teeth or shower. So acknowledging that, going easy on our older kids, at least the, as long yeah. as we possibly can with fewer demands. I think so often we want to go higher demands because you're we need the, big, the help. You're the big kid now and pull your weight. I've got a baby and a stroller yeah. and a thing. Help me and out already. Yeah. Help right. me out here. But so think about it. Like how would we want, our, if we have a partner to go to treat us in this new transition, would we want them to have higher demands of us? Like you didn't do the dishes and you need right. to be this. Like, no, we'd be like, I just had a baby dude. Like, yeah. Go Chill easy out. on yeah. here, whoever. Yeah. So I think we have to remember that we need to be that person for our, our older kids too, to say, this is tough. We are going to get through this together. We're going to have big feelings. Or we're not always going to be able to control our bodies. Or today you know. was wild. In the circle <laughs> back at the end of the day. Wow, it was hard. There was a lot of crying. Yeah. The baby needed me. You needed me. I was struggling to support you both. That was really hard. Right. How was yeah. it for you? And really calling out all those things that make us want to be like, don't talk about that. That went terribly. I'm never <laughs> going to bring it up. Oh, until it happens again tomorrow. Right. Exactly. So, I love that trying so much. To be, trying to be brave and connecting with our kids, even preemptively before the mm -hmm. baby um, arrives and saying, it's going to be hard. It's going to be different. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure how yet, but we're going to do it together. It's going to be okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's, uh, that's so helpful. And I think the one other thing that I know I worry about a little bit, and, and I know I see this, is kind of making your peace with the fact that the newborn stage isn't going to look the way the first one looked, right? Like I spent, you know, months lazing about in bed with my son, right? Like it was just lots of cuddles, lots. Of, but um, one thing that I try to, you know, when I do help parents with this transition is I try to say like, we need to also build in time for your oldest um, 
And so it's going to be different because the first time around, you never said no to your baby, right? But now Mm -hmm. there's going to be times where you're almost going to have to say like, you know what, I, dad or whomever partner, you take care of baby while I go deal with the oldest because they need me, right? You just read my mind. I was just about to say that, that I think so often (laughs) we're like, we want to treat our second or third or fourth baby as we did our first. And it's just, like you said, not the same scenario. And I think it's also easy for us to think, well, that the older siblings now, they're not babies, you know, they they can take care of themselves, they can go farmed out to other people. But we really, I think, can oftentimes overlook their needs in this transition and realize that our baby, as long as they're getting fed and sleeping and, you know, (laughs) generally their needs are being met, we can pass them to another person if there's one available. We can let them fuss for a minute to say and show our older kids, your needs matter too. You know, we can model and say, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm going to leave you here in this safe place. I've got to go. I want to go and help so-and-so. He needs me. He's been waiting so patiently. His needs really matter to me and and mm-hmm. show that to the older kid. You know, I think a lot of folks are like, well, let's have a, a mommy son date where it's like really kind of official. And I think that we don't have to do anything fancy or big with our no, older right. kids. We just have to choose a few moments through the day and they're going to tell us when those moments need to be very often. Oftentimes there's a pattern involved and we can say, can I just key in five minutes to this child? When can I set my baby down? Wow, I carried my baby that entire first year, my first baby. But this baby might just be a little more independent sooner if that's possible. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm not being a bad mom by putting my baby down. I'm not being a bad mom by seeing to my older child's needs. Because seeing to their needs is going to help everything thrive and and. They're key yeah. elements to this situation. We can't overlook their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so helpful. Oh my goodness. I I mean, I want to pick your guys' brain forever. I don't want to take up all your time. With <laughs> <laughs> um, um, did you get an, yeah. uh, an update on the verdict? I'm like, ah, what's happening? No, I no, I have to check uh, for anybody watch. I was watching the uh, Derek Truman uh, Verdict, um, sentencing there was this guy who was going on and on forever so I was like okay I'm done yeah, <laughs> um totally. but I'm sure it's come out um but yeah no that's like that's super helpful and I think another, one other thing I wanted to ask you guys just because I think you know I'm sure maybe you get asked about this a lot but do you have tips for parents of twins um because I get parents of twins you know I am actually working with a family that has twins right now and um, it's a whole other beast from having a singleton. Um, I mean, I know you guys don't have twins yourself, but, you know, is there any tips that you would have for that? Man. Yeah, we we think back on, you know, what our parents went through. We've got a lot of folks in our community who have twins, and it's just like, got to hand it to them. Like, wow, that is, talk about yeah. a lot of needs going on at the same time and where you can't yeah. have that juggle of higher development and support and, right. and kind of work that. Um But I think just really realizing, and I think a lot of uh, twin parents have that crash course on on getting very attuned to their babies and saying, whose needs? What's the need? What's my need? And realizing that needs are okay and that our our babies are unique. I think very Mm -hmm. often people have these beliefs about twins that they should be the same. And I think they can really easily judge them and put them in these kind of binary judgment boxes. Like she's the easy one. He's the hard one. He's the fussy one. She's the, you know, the easygoing eater, sleeper, whatever it is. So we like to remind parents to just accept each of your babies, whether they were born at the same time, whether they were born several years apart as unique humans, because when we can accept our babies for who they are, and that's a huge thing we bring up in the course um, with uh, the right from the start course is saying, can we just 
accept the baby that is in front of us. Because when we can accept the way they're currently sleeping, the way they're currently feeding, the way they're currently uh, dealing with diaper changes or bathing or whatever it is, the sooner we can attend to those needs and find ways to yeah. strategies to innovate. Because when we're rejecting that and saying, this can't be right, my other baby does this, or my last baby did that, we're not in a place of growth and of, of troubleshooting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. No, totally. I, I love that. And I love that you guys in, in the course, you mentioned temperament, because I think it's so, so crucial. I, I used to be under the belief that parents had a lot more influence over who their kids were than that. And then you have a kid and you realize like, okay, yeah, I have influence. I have a lot of it, but they are like who they are. Like his personality yeah. is just there. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't create that. He, he was just born that way, you know? We're a good um, case study for that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, Hannah's, Hannah's kids are definitely of the more easygoing variety and a little less sensitive, less spirited. Oh, yeah. Fewer needs, absolutely. And we've had people... Easier to sleep, easier to feed, easier to play independently, easier to get along with one another. You know, it wasn't because I'm a better parent than Kelsey. We parent exactly the same. We're twins. We, like, yeah. do the same work. <laughs> and, our, and our babies and kids are so different. Yeah, and we've had coaching so, clients that came to us, too, and yeah. said, okay, my first kid and baby, I, I was nailing it. And then I had my second yeah. and realized that was not me doing a good job. That was me having a certain temperament yeah. of child because yeah. now I see you hear that all this time. one's putting me to the test in a way that the other one just didn't, right? And that's really hard. Yeah. Honestly, that's part of my fear because I say to my husband, I'm like, we've got such a good thing going. <laughs> like He's so chill. We're chill. It's all good. I'm like, we're going to get a firecracker next. I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I mean, that's the beauty. And we talk about this in the course too, with that radical acceptance is realizing that challenges with our babies mm -hmm. in the first year or with our older kids, they're all beautiful opportunities to grow and to build skills totally. and to build connection. And so we can really, I've skated by on a lot with my kids compared to Kelsey. But we got to admit, she has better patience. She has better innovation <laughs> skills. She knows her needs and sets boundaries with more confidence. She has such connection with her kids and knows and loves them so fiercely in kind of this different way that I'm like, got to know my kids a little bit later. But where for her, it was like, like that firecracker, kind of right. an explosion. And so realizing that no matter what type of, of baby we end up having, we're being called to learn and to grow. And, and those times can happen right in the first year with... Or maybe we're realizing that our two-year-old or three-year-old with this baby coming home is also experiencing a challenge. And we get to learn and grow through that, too. So it's all good. The hard stuff's the good yeah. stuff, we like to say. Oh, I love that so much. Just looking at it from that growth perspective just changes everything, right? Um, so, yeah, that's super helpful. I think, yeah, people are going to get a lot from this. I, I'm sure they're going to get it so much from your course. Um, you yeah. talk about all of the things, which I, I love. Um, where can people find you other than uh, that? Yeah. Yeah, check our <clears throat> our um, Instagram account, upbringing.co, and our link in bio has the Right from the Start course that we did with Jen Lumenlin. It's also community, which yeah. we forgot to mention. So aside from those nine modules with digestible little videos, it's about an hour per module or a little over, and it comes with audio and transcripts also, which is really helpful to folks. It's also a circle community where everybody, the whole cohort for eight weeks, just get to connect with each other and do biweekly calls with Jen and Kelty and me. So get on like we're talking right now and connect about what's going on. And just, I think I, one of the biggest things besides getting the information in one place, which has been really helpful for folks and 
knowing what the research is and feeling more confident in the approach is just feeling less alone and having that community. And so we're yeah, really grateful for totally. your community for that reason, for ours and for this this baby community that we're kind of nurturing and building along the way. So we're really excited. Yeah, oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. So if you're watching this, I'll share the links um, in my stories as well and check out their course for sure and check out the podcast. I actually love your podcast. I love listening to it. We definitely have to collab podcast wise. Um, so I'll, I'll reach out to you guys for that. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much again and best of luck with the launch. Thanks so Thanks much. So much. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Have a great weekend. Bye guys. Bye everyone. Bye.